Hello, welcome to the Radiate Podcast. We're here to connect, encourage, and empower you to radiate the message of Jesus to yourself, your neighbors, and the world. I'm your host, Steve Presswood. Today I'm visiting in person at the home of my Radiate Podcast guests, Ryan and Gabby Nicholas. Ryan and Gabby, welcome to the program. Hey, Steve. Good to see you. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Steve. Well, now this interview is going to be the first one that I've done this way. We're going to air it in two parts. The first part will be this week, and the second will be next week. So just fair warning for those who are listening. If you want to catch all of this interview, make sure that you listen in next week, and you'll have the final piece of this. Ryan served on the staff of the Navigators in their collegiate work at Oklahoma State University, and then later he served as a missionary to South America. Gabby is currently on staff with the Navigators in their NAV20s mission. The two of them, in my own opinion, have been quite a team in ministering wherever they've been. Ryan, would you tell us some of your background and some of what you've done post-college? Sure. So uh, I got my degree in secondary education. I wanted to be a teacher so that I could be in an environment where I felt like I could naturally share the gospel in my work. Uh, and make disciples. So shortly after graduating college, I was invited to um, come on to Edge Corps, uh, which is sort of a two-year internship program that the Navigators have for recent college graduates, uh, where they get to do vocational ministry um, at a university somewhere in the U.S. And so I had uh, the privilege of getting to do Edge Corps at Oklahoma State from 2013 to 2015. And then in 2015, I started a master's degree in teaching English as a second language because I um, thought that our long-term trajectory was overseas somewhere, and so I wanted to have some type of of a vocation that would allow us to go anywhere that God would want to send us. Um, So I chose teaching English as a second language and uh, finished that master's in 2017, and then we went to managing Colombia. We were there for a short time. The plan was to be there long term, but uh, things didn't work out, as I'm sure we'll get into later. Um, and so we moved back to the States um, in 2018. We moved to Tulsa. I worked in construction a little bit for about a year, and then recently we've moved to Oklahoma City. So we're here in Oklahoma City, and I'm working um, in education at Oklahoma City Community College. Great, thank you. And Gabby, how about you uh, tell me some of your background and some of what you've done post-college? So my background is I grew up in Stillwater. Um, I lived there all my life, went to college, graduated So my big Fun fact for Ryan and I is that I graduated high school in May of 2010. I met Ryan in October of 2010, and we were married in August 2011. (laughs) That's what they call a whirlwind engagement. Yeah, it was quite a year. Um, So we've been married almost nine years now, and I was a part of much um, all the things that Ryan's already mentioned. in college, I studied business, business management, and marketing. While Ryan was on EdgeCore, I was managing the coffee house in Stillwater, uh, which is a nonprofit coffee shop. Steve said, I now work with NAV20s here in Oklahoma City. 
Ryan, here's a bit of a tongue-in-cheek question. Would you have been known as a man of peace before you came to faith in Christ? <laughs> no, not really. I like to fight. I really like to fight. And are you saying that in the current tense, present tense, or is that past tense? Past tense. Okay. Liked to fight, but not, yeah, not anymore. I really don't have a desire to <laughs> go fight anybody anymore. So I, I think that was one of the, um, one of the things that Jesus really did in my life was um, help me work through some of what I was angry about, and obviously it's still something I'm. Uh, the anger issue, the frustration is, it's something I still have to submit to Jesus all the time, but I'd say for the most part, he's really, um, transformed me in that way where I don't want to fight anybody. Yeah, God sometimes does do the work in a man's life so that it's almost like a switch is flipped. Yep. But usually that's not the case. It's a bit of a gradual transformation. There may be a, a sudden move from one way of thinking to another. And I think you're saying that you had that, and yet there's still some lingering issues. There was definitely a switch that was flipped, a new way of thinking. I really took to heart the Sermon on the Mount pretty quick, but it's still something that I've got to be conscious of because there's, I guess, old ways of thinking that can easily creep back in. Yeah. Gabby, if you and Ryan could go on vacation together, just the two of you, what would for you be an ideal vacation spot and what is the thing that you both enjoy doing together i know that you both have your own separate interests but if you were on vacation and you're doing this thing together you know you'd both enjoy this thing mm -hmm. it would most definitely involve the mountains specific spot we love northern new mexico red river was always a spot i grew up going to as a child and so we love going to the mountains and hiking together. We've had a lot of great experiences hiking and drinking coffee. So we've, we've always dreamed too about going to Ireland. We think that would be a fun place to go, but mm. definitely the mountains, lots of hiking and coffee. Ryan, would you add anything to what Gabby said? No, I, I agree. Um, part of the fun for me of, of trips with Poppins, I call her Poppins. Poppins is like Mary Poppins because she always has what you need. You know, there's a backstory to that. But basically, Poppins is always prepared, so that's why I call her that. Anyway, if I could do anything, um, I really wouldn't care as long as we get to drive somewhere together. Oh, yeah, that's true. I love, uh, it's one of my favorite things. It's just for me and her to get in the car and get to drive somewhere together, drink way too much coffee, talk, listen to the radio, dream about things we want to do in the future. I really love that. Now, I'm in the home where you are right now. Do I smell coffee right now? Are you? You do. It's decaf, which... <laughs> it's decaf. That's all right. We may just have to take a pause at some point and actually uh, imbibe a little bit. We might. <laughs> Round two. I don't two. know if it'll be up to your standards. Oh, so. yeah. Not worried. Not worried. Well, Ryan, uh, I want to get to some main content, Gabby. Uh, let's take a move now and uh, let me ask some serious questions. What I really want to talk about as I interview you is some of what you have done as practitioners of living out your faith and then uh, helping others to learn how to come to faith in Christ, to learn uh, then how to walk with Christ, uh, to be disciple makers. Ryan, I've long considered you to be a gifted evangelist. 
Let me define my terms so that the folks who are listening know what I'm thinking when I say that. What I don't mean by that is uh, that it's easy for you and it's hard for everybody else. What I mean by that is that God has given you particular gifts that result in you gravitating to evangelism. You really want to do it. There's a strong desire internally to do it. And that you probably do it a little more naturally and often better than those who are not gifted. I'm sure, though, that despite this definition that I've given, even though you may gravitate to it, even though it may be easier for you than it is for some, nevertheless, you've learned some things about evangelism over the years. First of all, would you say that my definition is okay? Does it... Yeah, I think so. Is that about where you fit? Yeah, Yeah. so you wouldn't call evangelism easy for you. No. Mm -mm. Yeah. (laughs) I've always thought that fascinating. Just because a thing is your gift doesn't mean it's just plumb easy. Yeah, and I still got to work at it. Yeah, right. Anyway, so you've learned some things uh, as you've done evangelism. Tell me some of what you've learned about evangelism through the years. I think the OSU Student Union was a really good practice ground for me because it allowed me to have a ton of different conversations with lots of different types of people. And when I say that I've heard every response that there is, I'm serious. I've heard everything from, I believe that God is whatever you make it. I've heard that you can do anything you put your mind to. And I asked the guy that said that, so does that mean if you jumped off a building, you would float just because you believe it? And he said, yes that he believed that. I've talked to people that have been involved in witchcraft, Muslims, Hindus, I mean, every, just had the opportunity to have lots of conversations. And so I think one of the things I've learned about that is I know how to answer all those objections and questions. And I still don't see people just come to faith, even if I just really answer all their objections. It's not just like, okay, I answered your question. Are you ready to follow Jesus? And so I think The main thing I've learned through all of that is people really need to see it over an extended period of time. And by see it, what do you mean? Jesus is life. I think they need to see the body of Christ interacting with each other. I think they need to see Christ and their friends. I think they need to hear the message of the gospel lots of times in lots of different ways. And it just is not quick. If it is quick, if somebody does come to faith in Christ quickly, It's because somebody else had done a lot of work before and they were well prepared. Mm -hmm. I have gravitated more towards kind of thinking about evangelism on a long-term spectrum and inviting people into my life through friendship, trying to get them in my home so that they can see how I relate to Gabby, inviting them out to do things just for fun, just to legitimately be their friend. And I've seen that that over time really moves people closer to Christ than a one-time conversation. I do think those one-time conversations are needed. I just don't know if that's going to be what moves a person from not believing to believing. Right. It's not simply providing an answer to objections. Yeah. Yeah. Gabby, uh, this doesn't necessarily stay in the same vein as the question that I asked Ryan, although it's got some similarities. Your giftings, I'm not sure I'm as conscious of them as I am of Ryan's. I don't know if I am either, so yeah. it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, you would be in uh, good company, and a lot of people that feel that way, not sure what my giftings are. Whatever you believe your giftings are right now, what do you feel like you've learned in the last few years that's helped you to make progress, to be more effective in those? I definitely think probably my 
I lean towards um, hospitality and administration. I think early on, especially not comparing to Ryan, but Ryan's gifting of evangelism was very strong. Uh, or it, he just had, was so enthusiastic about finding any way to be able to talk with people and relate with people about the gospel. And so he would stay up for hours just researching apologetics and reading books. And I just saw an intensity and a real explicit demonstration of that kind of gifting. And so I think for a while that intimidated me. And then I also just had my own boxes of what I thought giftings could look like. So gift of administration was always kind of just this secretary, personal assistant type thing. Like it was always just going to be running numbers and taking phone calls and scheduling events and void of real people interaction. And then the gift of hospitality was kind of more of this creation of our almost like Southern culture hospitality. It is real and it's true, but it's not actually based on biblical truth hospitality and what Jesus would define as that. So I think over the last few years, what I've really grown in is being able to look at really how God created me, how God created Ryan, and what were the things that I naturally do and just come easy to me. Like I don't have to try to do them. Um, what ways can those be best demonstrated and worked out in life that suits how we like to relate with people that just shares Jesus in a natural way. Yeah, so I hear you talking about a kind of team mentality. So you do the hospitality and whatever else is needed to to facilitate allowing him to use his gifts, and now together you're doing some things that otherwise would have you maybe being very separate in the yeah. expression of your gifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we've always loved to do that. It's both. It's been something we've just naturally started doing and. So something we've just always wanted to continue, that our, our lives were very interconnected as far as our relationships with people and having people in the home. It did not look pretty for quite a long time. But <laughs> well, if learned. the hospitality I enjoyed tonight is any indication with dinner and everything that, that's happened so far, you just about have, get, have this thing mastered. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, do you see... I mean, I, we almost answered the question, but I want to give you an opportunity to speak into it. Do you see those giftings that you have as complementary to the things that Ryan's gifted in? And if so, how? I do. One thing I appreciate about Ryan and how God's really gifted him and created him is it's allowed me and challenged me and encouraged me to be really more of who God created me to be. Since we are married, God has used Ryan to really help bring out the ways he's gifted and created me. What is a good example? I guess one example of, this could be specific, but it seems like Ryan can bring all sorts of people, and it's usually very scattered. We never know. Like Timing would be random. They're usually a mess, whether it's him, whether it's they've been out cutting trees, or they've one guy's passed out because he had a heart condition, or picked him off off the side of the road because he, I don't, you know, is carrying a, I don't know, just random, all sorts of random things, sleeping on the stoop of a porch at church. Yeah. So, <laughs> just be able These are all real life examples. These are all real life sense. examples. Nobody can think of stuff like that unless it's happened to them. <laughs> so, I think the way that 
God's really given me a heart to come alongside my husband, and we both have a heart to help people feel like they belong. And so he does that in really being able to just go out and meet anyone and everyone and start talking to them. And then whether they like it or not, they're probably stuck at least conversing with him for a little while. And a lot of times he can convince them to um, come to our house. And, and because I desire the same thing to help people feel like they have a place to belong, I get to do that in our home or wherever we are. And we're the ones creating that space for them. Well, I love what you guys are doing, and I love how you do it. I've observed it myself uh, from afar, and sometimes have been privileged to see it up close and in person, like tonight. And uh, clearly, you've both grown in this, and uh, you're using giftings that God's given you to good advantage. So, kudos. You two have been through some rough patches in the last few years, and I'm not wanting you to feel an obligation to give high-level detail here, so go as far as you want, but... I'd like to hear from both of you how you think those struggles have shaped you. So tell us at least enough so we know some of what these struggles were, and then uh, how have they shaped you? I think for me, I, I put a lot of stock and identity and being able to just go really, really hard all the time in ministry. And I never really struggled in it, especially in Stillwater. I always saw success. Not always, but, you know, overall, I would say that my time in Stillwater was very fruitful. I think I was believing this idea that, I'm ashamed to say it, but God loved me because I was good at ministry. That just goes back to this lie that a lot of guys believe that we're valuable to God based on what we can produce. And I know that's not the gospel. I know that's not what the Bible says. But subconsciously, I think that's what I was believing and so when things didn't work out in Colombia, and I had to come back, not on my own will, but I was told, you have to go back because you're not doing well here. It was just like a punch to the gut. And it really, really, really hurt. It wasn't like I came back and started seeing success again. It was, I came back and have struggled for two years. But through that, I believe more than I've ever believed that God loves me. God really loves me just because of who I am. And it makes me want to labor harder. And it's no longer this thing of, I've got to show God how driven I am. I've got to show God how passionate I am. It's, I really understand God loves me and I want people to know that. And so the motivation is very different and I'm excited about where I am because I think that's the motivation that's going to help me continue to labor for the rest of my life. However long God gives me, I think I'll be able to do it and finish well because my motivation's good. Gabby, what about you? So all the struggles you guys have been through, they're big enough that you may have a different piece of this that you want to share. Tell me about something that, uh, the struggle from your perspective, and then how you feel like it shaped you. So specifically going back to what Ryan mentioned, us coming back from Colombia, it was really a result of anxiety and depression that played itself out in eating disorder for me, uh, struggling with anorexia. And it's something I've been struggling with since I was 13, 12 or 13. And so it's been a part of my journey since that time. It was not a surprise going to Colombia. It didn't arise there, but it reared its head really well. Uh, all the 
stressors and new things, learning the language, being very isolated from a lot of family and friends and uh, a lot of support just fed into more anxiety and deeper depression. And so my health condition forced us to come back. We both in the last three years have probably hit our rock bottoms. It's interesting because it's easy to hit rock bottom. It's harder to get up well. And so we had both hit rock bottom. And I think what I am so grateful for is that when I hit rock bottom, I realized there was nothing more I could do. There was nothing more that I could try to put back together. At one point, I was just laying in bed. It was like 500 degrees in our apartment. We were above a bakery and the sun, we were on the fifth floor, top floor, and it was just like broiler on the top and baked from the bottom. So it was just (laughs) awful. Someone Um, never told me about this part. It was horrible. Well, the weather actually there was really, really nice. It was just where we were at, it was west facing. We had big windows. We were top floor, so we got sun all day, and it was hot in our apartment. Anyway, it was really hot. And then, and just really crying out to God because I knew that He had to come through because we were barely speaking to each other anymore just because I was so down. I was so down, and He was pleading with God just for help and how to love me well and encourage me. And it was at that point. And in coming back, since even coming back, being in Oklahoma City, I've seen a demonstration of God's patience and generosity in ways that I've never seen before. His patience in in even just the healing process and not trying to hurry it, not trying to just put me back together so that I could get going again. We're going to build this back up so that you can trust me the whole way through. I'm not worried about you arriving at a certain place so that you can go and produce something. And just so generous in his patience as well. And that in every time, he's perfectly provided for us and protected us in in every sense of the word. And especially in coming to Oklahoma City, it's very humbling. I am so grateful for the community that's embraced us and in the ways they've trusted us and loved us. So I'm sound like you were about to say that you feel like you've been loved more than you deserve. In a lot of ways, Almost. yeah. Like they don't know enough about you, otherwise they, don't. they wouldn't love you that much. They pretty much, yeah. But boy, that's God's love in, and, in action, isn't and it? Just his, he loves us even when he knows all this stuff about us. And uh, when, when our fellow believers do it, uh, they represent God well. Mm-hmm. Well, what passages of scriptures have for both of you been really helpful as you've gone through these struggles? They've helped to ground you. One that was really foundational for me when we were still in Colombia, the night that we got told we had to go back, um, that we didn't have a choice. I just happened to be reading in Isaiah. That was where I was in my reading plan. So I opened my Bible that night and said, okay, God, what now? I ran across Isaiah 49, 3 and 4, which says, he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. But I said, I have labored to no purpose. I have spent my strength in vain and for nothing. Yet what is due to me is in the Lord's hand, and my reward is with my God. And now the Lord says, He who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has been my strength. 
He says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. And that was really huge for me because I kind of felt like I was used up. I mean, I felt like Colombia was really our mission, that I had failed, and that now I didn't have any place left. And that God really used this first to say, hey, even if you feel like you've labored for no purpose, I'm still going to use your life. So that was huge for me. It's funny that that's your verse that you were in Isaiah 49. I don't know if I had a passage of scripture until about two months ago to really describe what I was experiencing. But I was also reading as I was going through my plan in Isaiah, and I have two specific passages, Isaiah 54, 4 to 6, which says, Do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit. A wife who married young only to be rejected, says your God. So I had that one coupled with Isaiah 55. 1 to 8, which says, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk, without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations that do not know you will hasten to you, because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And so, just kind of going back to even what I shared earlier, that those were just very restorative verses. God spoke to me of his of His patience, of his generosity, of his promises he wasn't done and if I was willing to continue to trust him and seek him he had great things in store thanks for sharing so honestly really appreciate it it's good to hear your story and to hear how God has helped you work through this and how you've come out the other side I think probably in better shape your trust in God is as strong as it ever was and I think your opportunities to continue to labor for him and probably be even more fruitful because of your struggles is now really high I think we often think when we've got our stuff together, that's when we can really produce for the Lord. Yeah. And often it's when we're struggling the most but relying on Him that people are looking at us and saying, I can get behind that. Yeah. And so it's fun to hear your story. Thanks for tuning in to Radiate. You can continue to listen wherever you get your podcasts. You can also connect to us online at osunavs.org. 
and on Instagram at OSUNAVS. See you next time, and until then, keep radiating the message of Jesus.